believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has something for all of us to do. All of us. I think in the American form of Christianity, when we think of calling, we think of someone that might be actually in a ministry like this, like I am a paid person. But no, we're not talking about that at all. We're just talking about that which God places upon your heart to do, no matter where you work or whatever you do in life. And this is going to kind of wrap around the story of Peter walking on the water. And it's going to show us what kind of person God is looking for to use. And hopefully a church even can uh, fulfill this bill or this uh, application that God has, that we can truly be used by God rather than just coming here every Sunday and listening and amen and shaking our heads and then going to Cracker Barrel and then go home and then do it again. So let's just look at this, the life of Peter, Matthew 14, 23 again. It says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to see Jesus. So this is that account that we're all familiar with. This the, the problem we might not be familiar with is this this ship we look at maybe as a little rowboat or something that they throw a note a, a, a net out. But this is a big ship. In fact, I was reading where they sort of found one they believe uh, a biblical uh, times ship sitting in the mud of the Sea of Galilee, and they went through a whole project to raise it up. So you, you can look that up if you want, but they believe it was the time of Christ. And so these are bigger ships than maybe what you kind of think of. But what I want you to think of and maybe even do on your own is search church history. Search church history. Somebody was always called by God to step up. Somebody. I don't know why God decides to use us. I don't know why God puts us in his mix, but he does. It's humanity and divinity working together all the time. He always does that. So anywhere, whether it's a continent God wants to reach, a country, a group of people, something he wants to do, he always looks for somebody to step up. I'll just wait a little bit. Okay. All right. Acts 13.2 says this, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. God calls his people. Not just select people, he calls us. Not just Paul and Barnabas and Saul and whoever else, but he calls you and I. And so I want you to see, and I put this verse in there so that you see the Holy Ghost actually speaks and says, I have a job for this person, now will you step up? And this word separate means to mark off from others by boundaries. God's got boundaries around people he wants to, to do a work for God. Now, we also know that God is the ultimate investor. 
He did not invest his son sinless, pure blood for you to do nothing. So it's not like, yeah, this is something I do, but you don't have to. That's not true. It's not true. I don't know what God has for you to do. And I'm not even sure what God has for me to do as I finish my course. But God has work for us to do. Boundaries set apart, set around us, just so God would have something to be, um, uh, have something for you and I to accomplish while we're here. Rather than standing before him who hills are going to melt like wax, and he looks at you and say, what'd you do? You've got to be able to answer more than, I, um, I went to church. Now think of that. You know all about God and salvation. You know, because I've told you over and over, 6,000 souls die an hour lost. They're damned in eternity. You know about all the stuff that we talked about in this church, and you're going to stand before Almighty and said, I went to church. And one time I worked the fair. Really, that's, that's just kind of the American church. It is. It is sad. So you search church history. God doesn't need us. He doesn't. If he wants to do a tremendous work in Vietnam, he could create a robot, and off he'd go. Or he could send an angel. North Vietnam, straighten it out. And he just could, but God chooses to work through you and I. Are you there? Really? He chooses truly to work through us. So God, even through Acts 13.2, shows us, even the Spirit of God will speak, separate me. I want to use Barnabas and Saul for this work. And so they spoke. Now, Psalms 4.3 says this, But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. God says, I have set you apart unto myself. But for why? To have you as a trinket on a shelf, as a trophy? That's when Bruce got saved all them years ago. There he is. I finally reached him, and there's this... uh, monument unto him. No, it's to be to be used in, in whatever it is. Now, I hate the way we think as Americans. Oh, who can we think of? Just say Billy Graham, how awesome Billy Graham was used. If God called him and opened those doors for him to be used like that, praise God for that. But if God opened the door for Bruce to teach uh, adult Sunday school in this church, the majority of his saved life, that'll be as equal as a reward to God as Billy Graham. But see, we don't, we, we don't, we, that doesn't compute in our minds. So that when we talk about being used from God, you must remember we're talking about God and not how people think. Please, because if you think how people think, you'll think, well, what can I do? I don't know anybody. I'm nothing. You can do what God's called you to do, and then you'll be awesome in God. Well done, my faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What I do? You spoke to that person. I mean, you've got to just see it as God sees it. So God says, but no. He's saying, know this, that the Lord, me, he says, has set apart him that is godly for himself, for a purpose, for a plan, for a reason no matter what it is, even if he places you in some God-forsaken job where nobody is serving God and maybe nobody ever gets saved while you're there, yet 
You let the light shine with your walk. You don't curse like they do. You don't lie like they do. You even have a chance maybe every once in a while to speak something into their lives, but they reject you. God could still say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because he placed light into that darkness and gave them opportunity to receive the light, and you gave off the perfect light, which is Christ. So God to you will say, well done. Well done. So you must think this way instead of the normal way that we think. So the idea is the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Now, let's look a little bit more. Matthew 14, 28. Peter answered him and said, "Uh, Lord, if that be you, bid me come unto thee on this water. And God said, come, come. Now Peter has a choice. He's heard, just like you tonight, you have a choice. God always brings us to a choice. We either choose life or we choose death. And God's even told us in Deuteronomy, he says, uh, choose life. He said, I set before you life and a cursing, but choose life. But he says, you have the choice. Just like us today, just like Peter, he's going, everyone's screaming, ah, what is that? And a storm and the waves like we talked about today. And he says, Lord, if that's you, he wasn't sold on it. He said, send me, I'm coming. He said, no, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And he hears, come. So now Peter has this choice. Now here is how we are to be used by the hand of God. You hear the voice of God speaking to you. You all have different times. And here's how to be used by the hand of God. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go see Jesus. So this is kind of where I got this title for this message. Peter had to step up in the boat. Things are going around, water's being tossed around, guys are screaming, saying, it's a spirit! And Peter stepped up, and he's looking, and he says, Lord, if that's you. So what the people of God got to do to be used by God is to step up. There was lots of people on that ship, yet the Bible records only one man who walked on water. The rest of us, Left our seatbelt going, oh, I ain't getting up. Peter stepped up, up. We have to step up as the storms of our nation get worse and worse. Not buckle down, hunker down, you and your little kitties, and that's it. God's looking for people to step up. So it's like, who is willing to be used by God? However he decides to use you, in whatever way. Well, most time, no, everybody wants to sing before people or play something or sing, and everybody wants like in the lights and all that. No, who wants to be used by God? Not so much church or man. To be used. So God is looking for his people. Who will step up? Moses had his Joshua. Moses ran his course, and when Moses' life was winding down, someone had to step up. The Olympics are on. You'll see them racing. Soon, when the one guy's spent, he's going to do what? He's going to hand that baton off. There better be someone else. Elijah had Elisha. 
And when Elijah was taken up, Elisha took over. So this is a, a, a formula that God has all the time. People must step up. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 8, he said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. He didn't have to call a board meeting. He didn't have to call men in, vote. Who are we going to send? He just responded quickly to God. Here am I. Didn't know where he was going to be sent, what he was going to do, where he was going to go, who was he going to minister to. All he knew is he was stepping up to answer God's command, his calling. Here am I. Send me. It's the truth. Isn't this amazing? Almighty God was asking for a person. Almighty God could be looking at us tonight and said, who wants to work for me? Who should I send? God wants to reach the world, and he wants to use you and I to do it. He wants to reach it through willing people. It isn't that God doesn't know who these people are. Of course he does. It's that God is waiting for those ready hearts to reveal themselves. Use me. Really? That's the way it was. Remember when I walked around the men's choir, which were well overdue for needing one? We had like 49 men or 50 men, and 47 of them told me that I can't sing. And my answer was, I don't care. It's like, you have a willing heart. Are you ready? And they did it. And they sang with the blessing of God, and you were the recipients of it. It was outstanding. It was beautiful. How strange it is. That this God of majesty and sovereignty and power asks for volunteers. I mean, that's just amazing. It's just crazy, but he does. Who shall go for me? Who shall we send? Like I said, he could easily create robots or to do his work or command angels to carry out his will. But he, he looks to us. God wants willing, surrendered servants. You and I, he's saying, who will step up? Have you been waiting for God to force you to serve? In the meantime, God's looking for volunteers. And I know how we are. Well, if I go home and I see two shooting stars, one going that way, one going that way, and at the same time, if a car backfires, I know it's God. And you wonder how I think that because I used to pray that. And guess what? I saw the shooting star, and I heard the car backfire. That's true. And that's also when I was a babe in Christ. But he did it. You know, I had a ready heart. I might have had a baby heart, but I had a ready heart. So he went, and one star went, and the car went, boom. And I went, first words out of my mouth, I don't believe it. It's the truth. So Isaiah quickly, without hesitation, said, here I am. Send me. I'm not just going, God. You've got to send me. It's got to be a plan by God. So Isaiah emphatically answered God. And I wish that's the way we could be. He did not hesitate. He wanted to be the answer of God's question. You want to be the answer. As a basketball player, his nickname was The Answer. And they never won a championship, so he was a fake answer. It's the truth, the answer. He was a goof. 
But God wants you to be his answer. If you will, step up. Step up to it. Up to the calling. How are you ever going to hit the ball for God sitting in a dugout? How are you going to ever catch the pass from God sitting on the bench? This is where God wants his people to be. Out there. That's why he sent us the comforter, because out there is uncomfortable. It's the truth. Ezekiel 22, 30 says, And I sought for a man among them. We waste our lives. We waste them. Ruth and I was just reminiscent of uh, maybe last week, and we thought of her, and what the words came out of her mouth was, what a wasted life. And it's true. Saw the possibilities in this person and wasted it and still wasting it. There are millions of people among us that are wasting their lives. Just totally wasting their lives thinking that's all that this life is to try to get by. No, God has a plan and a purpose, but you need to step up. God looks for volunteers, hearts that are ready to serve him. In the American church, the American church is not a whole lot of those people. It just isn't. So in Ezekiel 22, he says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. The walls are down in our nation, and God is looking. The world don't get it. Government doesn't understand it. The church is supposed to understand it and start making up the hedge. He said, and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Maybe this is exactly what God is waiting to do and wanting to do for our nation, waiting for someone to fill up the hedge, someone to step up. Say, God, I don't have much to offer. In fact, I don't have anything to offer. In fact, Lord, I'm getting old, but if you could use me, step up. Don't give God that laundry list. I got kids to raise. I'm, I almost got them out of school. So God is looking for people to step up. In this ship, he could have hunkered down, hid down underneath, and saw nothing. But Peter decided to step up, and he saw something. He says, Lord, if that's you, if you don't step up, you won't see it. You'll just be hunkered down and everything will be going over. Everything that God wants to do with you, through you, with us. If we just hunker down, close the, close the windows, pull in the tent cords, it'll go over us. And God is wanting us as a ministry, step up. Step up. Second one then is to step down. So if that's the ocean down there and it's all stormy and wavy and Peter's in this ship up here and he finally steps up to see what's going on and he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Well, to come, he had to step down. You step up to catch it, to hear the voice of God, come, Lord. And then God said, come. So in order to get out of this huge fishing vessel, he had to step down. And to us, that is this. Isaiah 57, 15 says this. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, 
with him that will step down, with him that will not rob me of my glory, with him that will function in humility and have humbleness about them, those who will step down. This is exactly the people God will use to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, bruised ones, those who, who, who are in submission to God, those who do not want to rob God of his glory or be the line lighter. These people that will step down, whether they're ever recognized or thought of or name appears somewhere. Step down. Opposite of America. Total opposite of America. Total opposite. Steelers have this guy, he won't report to camp. Poor guy, he's not getting enough money. They offered him $2.7 million for one year to play 16 games. I'd call him in the office. Dude, you think too much about yourself. This, this is permeates through our nation and through us and through the church. Where's the humility in ministry? Where is it? Where is it? Or in the people of God? We get puffy over what church we go to. Where's the humility? These are the people that must step down, that receive the call from God, that hear his voice, that's not hunkered down, fearful, but they must continue in the walk of God and step down, not get higher in God, to be recognized, to go down. Total opposite of the world. The world, you try to climb your way up. God says, I'm down here. Come on down here with me. So you must step up, and then you got to step down. Really, you do. Humility. Definitions. Condition of being humble. Look at this next one. Modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance. Where do you think you rank in this church? (laughs) Well, Pastor and I have been tight for a long time. We function that way. A lot of people sometimes don't ask me stuff. They ask people close to me because they think they rank. That's what we do. I mean, we just do. (laughs) Rank was a word that we used bad when I was a kid. Man, you rank. (laughs) They weren't going, oh, I do. They were going, you take that back. (laughs) No, where do you rank? You're nothing. I'm nothing. I'm a pile of dust held together by the grace and love of God. Absolutely. And so this word humility is something, I mean, if, gee, burrs, if God has touched your voice, and it, it is amazing how most of us can't carry a note, book, not alone a note, and then God somehow does something that these chords work and they sing like a bird. And somehow they take it on that it's them doing it. That it's their ability and they're better than you. And then we pay the millions to walk on a red carpet. And all the time, this is a gift, something special that God has given them. And he could just pitch those chords anytime he wants. We rank, all right. It's a shame what we do to the gifts and talents that God has given us and how we use them for our own benefit 
But that word humility is condition of being humble, a modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance. <laughs> God does not need me. He doesn't. He doesn't need me for a new hope to exist. I can probably figure out I'm finally getting old because a few of you have mentioned, you uh, thinking of retiring. You're not thinking of retiring, are you? <laughs> because, you see, I'm the glue to this place. Just ask me, what? What are you talking about? I can't hold myself together, not alone this entire place, as if whoever's next in line is not going to have that touch and that anointing from God. But it's crazy. Luke 18.9 says this, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I gave tithes of all that I possess. And this is an American Christian. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, you know the story, so you know where I'm going. We always have people toot their horns. And, and the louder they toot their horn, this is what I do. Yeah, great. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Have a good day. See you. I mean, I just do. That just... It's just repulsing to me. How about God? I was um, invited, I don't know, still to this day, I don't know why, but the, the mayor uh, throws a get-together once a year for the city employees. Keith. Keith was supposed to be there. He was my buddy. He bailed on me. So I walked in, didn't know a soul, didn't know a soul, didn't know anybody. And then I saw somebody that kind of knew. Remember Bud that goes to the restoration? Yeah. I went, Bud. <laughs> this Bud's for me. I thought, I'm going, I'm going to go sit by this guy. And so we just kind of talked a little bit. Wasn't there long. Still didn't know anybody. So I had opportunity a little bit. Say, hey, Bud, what's the um, mayor like? He goes, man, he's a hands-on guy. I don't know if you like him. I don't care if you don't like him. I don't care anything. I'm just telling you something. And he just goes on and says, he's a hands-on guy. I mean, he saw this and accidentally chopped the head right off of this. He says, you know that storm we just had? He said, the bad one? I said, yeah, it's a blew over lights and, and stop lights. And he was out there with the crew helping them. I said, the mayor? I mean, doesn't the mayor do this? Fix those lights. I mean, that, that meant something to me. I thought, that's pretty cool that our mayor would be out there in the midst of a storm helping the guys try to fix. And during this dinner or kind of a, like hamburger type, barbecue type thing, he was serving, just serving the guys. Like just one of, one of the guys. And I thought, man, this is exactly the humility, not a position or something or try to exalt yourself that God wants. God loathes that stuff. He hates it. So to be used by God, you got to step up to hear the call and all remember always to step down in that call. To stay humble in it or it ruins your call. It will absolutely ruin it. And then verse 14 just hits the nail on the head. 
He says, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See, God can read the hearts. He can read the phony, I'm going to act humble, but I don't mean it. No, God is looking for volunteers who will humble themselves before the hand of God. That's what he's looking for. Can't New Hope be that? Can't we be that right here? Can we step up to the call even in the midst of the storm and the fearfulness? And can we remain humble as we answer the call of God? And God places his favor on us and things just possibly might start to happen. Like in the word of God, when God would start to move and the power of God says almost the entire city came to the house of God tearing apart the roof to send down the sick that God might heal them. David Wilkerson would say this over and over and over, and I used to listen to him back, way back when I was like 24, 25 years old. He said his greatest threat, his greatest enemy to his ministry was success. Success. Stuff starts to happen. God starts to move, and then you, you forget the coming down. You forget it all the time. And we can't let this happen. Can't let it. God is looking for you to step up, hear the call of God, and then to step down like that public and say, God, I am not worthy. Even 30 years after God has used you, blessed you, and maybe thousands have come to God, or maybe one, I don't care, you still remain humble before God. Step up, step down, and step out. Do it. Whatever it is. Nursery in here. We're always saying, we need nursery workers. Nursery workers. Nursery workers. They're your babies. They ain't my baby. Yeah, they are. They're our babies. They are. They're not my babies. Why do I have a nursery? Because they're, this is a family. This is the family of God. And so the various things that we need, we need people to hear the call, not duck the call, hear the call, hear it, and then to stay humble because we know the nursery is an unusual ministry. And then Adam takes them when they're not so cute. I mean, to, to step up and to hear the call and say, Lord, if this is truly you, God, I'll do it. He says, come. Then you step down in humility and say, man, I can't believe God wants to use me. And stay that way. Stay that way. And then as you come down to the call and to the humbleness that you need to serve God, realizing you're nothing without God, then you step out to do it. Whatever it is that God has you to do. I mean, men, you know how we... Uh, what did we just do? That Bible study, Courageous, you shocked me because you came. I mean, we had like 70 men come for four Wednesdays in a row. I thought it would go 70, 50, 40, 30, me. That's your, normally, that's church stuff. That's what happens. Okay? But it was just as good at the end. I've been meeting for the last month two or three times with guys that want to continue this process. And in the meantime... Somebody dumped something on my, my table. It's called the Forever Dads. Some of you know Burl. 
Well, he's kind of backing out of certain areas just because it's too much for him to handle. They meet over here in this church six times, or school, it's our church now, is what it's called. Uh, six times a school year with dads as they have breakfast with their children and want to know if we take it on. The school supplies the food. The school does all that kind of stuff. We have to be there, make our connections, and to give a speaker. Now, he can't be a preacher. Now, I mean, I could preach. I mean, I'm called a preacher, but I can go there and just share a testimony about what my dad means to me. Or... And so we can, we can pick out guys to speak to them. Then these two guys I'm talking about said, man, we got to get them over here. We got to have a movie. We got to have this. And so we're going to unfold this to you pretty soon. Our first meeting and gathering over there is October 19th. And I know it's early in the morning. So most of you probably can't, but some of you can. And some of you can so that the most of you later will have opportunity. As we win them over, win their fellowship, win their friendship, win their trust, and then say, hey, man, just look out the window. Right over there is our church. We're having a movie. It's free. And we're going to make this part of the men's ministry. So we're looking for men to step up, to hear this call. And I remember saying a long time ago in that place, and I never knew what to do with it. And that, that place was building over there. I was like, God, this is a great fishing pond. But never knew how. Never knew how to fish. So this stuff is coming our way to make this a, a truly a men's ministry. But then our men must step up and hear the call. Yeah, that might be weird. You know, as we have guys, maybe 10, 12 guys there sitting with the other guys. You got to make friends and all. But this is the call. As you step up and then you win them, then we can step out and try to win them for Christ. Not just to make them better dads, but make them Christian dads. And so God has placed this in our lap. This is the, the part where we have to step out. Step out of our comfort zones. You mean I got to talk? Well, you're in people business if you're in God's army. And God will give you something to say, even if it's, you ready for this? Hi. Hello. Welcome. Nice to see you. I'm Joe. For some of us, that's hard, but you can still do it as you step up, step down, and stay humble. And God says, step out by faith. Absolutely, this is where it is. Lord, if that be you, he said, bid me come. And he said, it's me. And then you can just say, uh, I can help. I can do that. I can pass out this over there or whatever. I'm just using that as an example. Search church history. See the tremendous things that were done, that have been done, just by somebody being stirred who accomplished great, unbelievable feats, and they were nobody. D.L. Moody, search him out. Look him up. He used to mock him because he didn't even speak good, speak right. Billy Sunday, what a name. Billy Sunday was a Major League Baseball player. For eight years in the National League, quit and became a preacher. Quit. He quit that. People would give their two legs and arms to be a baseball player in Major League. He quit. 
It says here he was an American athlete who, after being a popular outfielder in baseball's National League during the 1880s, became the most celebrated and influential American evangelist during the first two decades of the 20th century. Just one guy who was playing ball, a baseball player. Born into poverty in Iowa, Sunday spent some years at the Iowa Soldiers Orphans Home. Man, I'll be a nothing. I'm a nobody. I don't even have a dad or a mom. We let things, you are dysfunctional. Even if you had wonderful parents, you're dysfunctional. I'm dysfunctional. We are, just the way we are without God. He said, so this, he goes, working odd, at odd jobs and playing for local baseball teams. This is how he made his living. He's, his speed and agility provided him the opportunity to play baseball in the major leagues for eight years, where he was an average hitter and a good outfielder. Converted to Christianity in the 1880s, Sunday left baseball for the Christian ministry. He gradually developed the skills as a pulpit evangelist in the Midwest. And then during the early 20th century, he became the nation's most famous evangelist. Sunday held widely reported campaigns in America's largest city, and he attracted the largest crowds of any evangelist before the advent of electric sound system. Or he could have just stayed hunkered down and not step up and hear the call. And he preached like crazy against booze. That was one of his main topics. He hammered it. So we need people that will step up and people that will stay humble no matter how wonderfully God uses you and people that will then step out. We have a few that step out and then the waters come up and they run back. It's all right, getting involved again anymore. Or someone says something about them or doesn't like them or whatever. I used to do that better than you. And they, and they run back. We just can't be that way. So, there you have it. Up, down, and out. And however, God sees fit to use you. And He will. In America, and I've been telling our, our younger people here in the last few years that, that, you know, hunger and desire to get married, which is a wonderful thing. I love being married to my wife. But there's like a theme going on here that I'm starting to bark against. When you find this godly spouse, you get married and then you do nothing the rest of your life when it comes to God and church. You buy a dog and eat bologna and you stay married. But that's not the way it should be. Families are the core to the church. Good, strong families is what make this church strong and powerful. You understand that? The, as, the, as the family goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. That's why the enemy is attacking to destroy the family because it'll make the church weak and our nation pitiful. And that's where we're at. So, there you go. Let's stand. Well, let me just throw this little tidbit in there. Don't expect God usually to call you something that you're good at. Because you'll mess it up. You'll just mess it up. You'll tell God, I know how to do that. Now, He's going to call you to do something you don't know how to do. And that will, at least in the beginning, 
that will keep you very humble. And then if you acquire some taste, that's where the success is the most dangerous thing, is to then stay humble and realize, I don't know why you chose me, God. I'm not talking about a fake humility, you know, gosh, gee, I'm no good. Ah, forget that. A true humility in front of God. And continue to look for God to step up and push you out into something. The waves are boisterous. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. And He'll do something with us. Okay. So, the altar call. We come to the altar, say, God, I used to step up, but I don't think I do anymore. And a lot of times you used to step up and then some church would slap you down or slap you around. And you say, well, I'm just going to go to church now. No, that's too bad. It's awful that you got slapped, stabbed, killed, and destroyed. I don't know. But now God wants you to step up again. That's the way it is. Step up, stay down, humble before God, and then step out by faith to be used by God. Let's come to our altars, please. Please pray. Ask God for that kind of heart. Ask God to be able to hear the call, not to pretend that it's not there. Ask God to help you to not keep looking for someone else to answer the call. Ask God, give you strength and guts to volunteer. Send me, God. And when I'm talking about God saying, send me, I'm not talking about to the Philippines or even Uganda. That might be. Might be just across the aisle to where they buy milk. God wants you to speak to that person. Up, down, and step out. No matter how hopeless it is.